0: Hey team, welcome to my very first episode with Elizabeth Zielinski. Uh, There's no legal disclaimer required for this one, however I'm going to be upfront with you. This one is definitely only for the brave. Uh, It's very rough around the edges. Elizabeth did an amazing job, but this one was more about practice and experimentation for me filling out different structures and techniques. It's uh, definitely representative of the very early stages of my podcast journey. Um, I learned a lot that day. Uh, And if you do happen to go on to listen, please, by all means, savour all of my amateur awkwardness. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Victor Dowzil Show. Um, My guest today is my dear friend, uh, Elizabeth Zelensky. Um, Probably uh, one of the most beautiful and stylish women in Australia. So thank you for joining me today, Elizabeth. Thank Um, you so
1: much.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Elizabeth is the owner of Styled by Elizabeth, a personal styling and interior design business, and is the designer and owner of the shoe brand Octavia Shoes. Is that correct?
1: Yes, Octavia Shoes and Fashion. Yes.
0: Cool. Um, Well, thank you for being my first ever guest, and for humouring my midlife crisis. (laughs) <laughs> You're wonderful. You. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so thank you so much for being up first. Um, so the one thing I will do is try and get rid of this. There we go. Um. So what I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to edit that. I just realized our chat window was still open, and I was asking you how to spell names. <laughs> uh- how to pronounce <laughs> names yeah oh so we'll, we'll just that's right I'll, I'll edit the first bit then i'll drop this out obviously okay um so just come back in um so i've got a huge first month ahead on the podcast um after today i've got kevin lowry on the 8th of march uh he was an independent running for the seat of ballina in the upcoming new south wales election And then on the 13th, I've got another dear friend, Sasha, coming on who thankfully is much funnier and more insightful than me. Um, So that should be great. On the 21st, um, I've got University of New South Wales Professor Gigi Foster coming on, um, who is absolutely brilliant um, and was incredibly brave at the beginning of the pandemic and was one of the few voices that was calling for calm, rational and evidence-based decision-making um, and as such was cast in some quarters as a bit of a villain, um, particularly on the ABC program q and by Hamish MacDonald. Um, and then hopefully at the end of the month, I'll have on Deborah He uh, was going to tell me all about the WHO and some of the extraordinary moves that they're making to strip away human rights and the autonomy of sovereign nations. So I'm very much looking forward to being far better informed at the end of the month than what I am right now. Uh, And this is what this podcast is all about, really. It's about me and my drive to understand everything, um, to explore power structures, academic literature, and the everyday narratives of people like Elizabeth. Um, I love storytelling and I love meeting new people and listening. Um, So if you'd like to throw me a like and a subscribe, that would be great. As right now, it's just my mum, June, who's following me. And she didn't actually follow. I just logged in as her and followed because (laughs) she's not going to listen to this. This is, she's just happy that I'm happy. Um, So, and finally, um, I promised Deborah that I would give a plug to the newspaper, The Light Australia. Um, It's a people funded community newspaper, which prides itself on presenting the uncensored truth, Um, has some very interesting perspectives, which are very engaging and it is well-written. The February issue is out now and has a quote by one of my favorite philosophers, George Carlin, on the front page. So that's a great sign. Um, I've posted a link uh, to the website in the video description below. Um, I think it's free. I managed to access it free, but sometimes I, without realizing it, do slightly dodgy things and access things for free when I probably should pay. But I'll, I'll look into that. But I'm almost certain that if you click on the link, you should be able to get it for free. And finally, trigger warning, I do swear a lot and I'm a little bit clunky at times and a little bit bogan. So if you're sensitive to this, please head on to Disney Plus now. Um, And that's it for my script. I don't like reading off a script, but I wanted to make sure that I hit all of those points because I have the attention span of a toddler. So I just um, wanted to work through all of that. Um, And Elizabeth, are you still there?
1: Yes, I'm still Thank here. You. I'm very much amused.
0: Thank you for your patience. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: So um, I'm going to share screen now, Elizabeth, and we're going to check out um, your website. And you can give us just a quick rundown on um, why, what brought you into styling and what inspired uh, you to do this. And are you seeing that share screen? Yes, yes, I can Good. see.
1: Thank you. Um, Well, firstly, thank you very much for inviting me and and the beautiful introduction. And I look forward to your next podcast because you've got a very interesting group of people coming on. Um, What started me, what motivated me, I I, uh, started with the Octavia Shoes and Fashion brand. So I designed uh, shoes for women or, or wanted to design shoes for women that had both Um, style, elegance, something that could take women across several platforms but be comfortable. So when I first um, had this idea, there wasn't that much on the market that way. The shoes were either comfortable and aesthetically not so interesting or they were stunning designs but uh, tortured your feet. So I thought there has to be some sort of a medium that can balance both design and comfort. Uh, So that was my inspiration. Um, That was quite an interesting journey on its own, uh, sourcing manufacturers. I tried to manufacture them in Australia, but unfortunately, that um, was very difficult. A lot of the manufacturers had had closed down, which was very, very sad to not be able to manufacture it within Australia. I did manage to source an engineer with 20 years experience um, in in the shoe industry. Uh, so he was able to engineer a heel for me that I was then able to take uh, to the manufacturers and then um, pr- have the manuf- the production based on on the heels more to the integral um, heel, which is the wedge uh, which would be on a different page than what you're on at the moment. So the integral collection. Um, and then as I started, fitting women's feet with shoes, um, it really saddened me to see how critical they were of themselves, um, of their feet, of of aspects of their bodies. And it um, made me want to play some sort of a part in shifting that view of themselves and that opinion of of themselves. So I went on to train myself further and uh, became a qualified personal stylist. And then I rebranded as Styled by Elizabeth, uh, and still being able to offer women the the shoes and the fashion aspect into the business.
0: So when did the um, when did you start?
1: Um, it was quite a few years ago. I going back about ten years with the shoes. Um, it was just a conversation that started in the car on the way to the airport. Um, how frustrated I was with with the market at the time. And um, the person I was speaking to said, well, why don't you design shoes? And I thought, why don't I design shoes? What a great idea. Um, and then sat in the lounge at the airport and and drew my first um, first design okay. on, a, on a napkin. And it kind of evolved from that.
0: So you personally design all of the, the shoes that we're looking at here?
1: Yes, so I had the drawings and the heel that I took to the manufacturer. We started out with uh, that was probably the most tricky part was trying to find a manufacturer that was happy to design from my designs rather than use their own design templates. Um, and so from 175, we narrowed it down to four designers, four, four manufacturers, sorry. And then went over to China and met with each one in person and then picked the one that we wanted. And it was it was they were amazing. It was a family owned business. They were fourth generation um, artisans, really, because they they a lot of the leather was hand cut. They didn't mass produce, which was a, um, became quite an important aspect of the manufacturing process for me as well. Yeah. Um, it, it from an bi- environmental aspect as well.
0: And what what's the you said that you got an engineer to design the heel? That's yes, so the heel so- the heel
1: needs. I wanted the arch to be supported. A lot of the women's shoes um, won't have the arch in the correct place, so you don't have the your foot doesn't have the support that it needs within the structure. Okay. Um, often you've got a big uh, gap between the heel of your foot and then the ball of your foot, which take the the bulk of your body weight um but you don't have the arch support so I wanted that arch to be supportive to to the feet and therefore a comfortable shoe that women could wear all day people have busy lives you know from dropping kids at school to to running around uh between before they start work to uh then doing an eight hour day at work and then all the Um, obligations and responsibilities they have after that so um, that's what I wanted that was my thought process in designing the shoes
0: yeah it's interesting that you um you tried to start with getting a manufacturer in Australia but you weren't able to source Um, am I right in thinking that there's only a couple of factories in Melbourne
1: not even yes a lot of them had shut down just because all people were taking their business overseas and it just became too well people had the option to uh, manufacture at a cheaper price uh, for a larger quantity and that just really strangled the Australian production market here Um, there's an Australian shoe association I contacted them and they said, sadly, we just don't have anyone anymore. I, I did manage to find someone in Brisbane, which was able to help me to offer a customised heel option to the Mark II collection that you've got up on the screen now. So where we had hmm. the integral collection, I thought I was concerned that I may be limiting my demographic with the wedge. So I thought I'll offer um, women uh option to design their own heel or or create you know design their own use they could use a different leather they could use a different color heel they could use a different heel but interestingly enough um that experiment showed that people preferred the integral collection so um, yeah
0: and when you say the wedge that's the um that's
1: that's the one you're looking at now
0: okay i'm just going to load up one of them and oh i see right right yeah Maybe we can get a side view. Is there a side yes, view? Yes,
1: I think in the PowerPoint I, I, there will be a side view of the wedge. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. Well, I, I think that's disappointing that you can't manufacture um, in Australia. I know that um, I'm someone that doesn't like to throw old shoes away, like to get them repaired by cobblers. Yes. Um, and um, recently I tried to get um, some repairs done here on the Gold Coast and was told by three different kind of Mr. Minute um, guys, but, you know, a little bit higher level, um, that there's only one guy in the whole of um, Queensland and that's a guy on the south side of Brisbane, um, an Italian guy. Perhaps it was the same.
1: Could be. It could very well be. Yes, he was He was on the south. Well, yes, Mount uh, Gravatt, Capalabar, I yeah, think, that's... somewhere around that way. No, that... not Mount Gravatt, sorry, Capalabar, Capalabar. I think was where where this fellow was based, um, and he he designed shoes for his own purpose. He um, his demographic was very specific to um, sort of a retired demographic that wanted to dance. Like they had dancing shoes, so he made dancing shoes specifically. Right. But he was able to accommodate.
0: And this that. is the the wedge here. Yeah,
1: that's the wedge.
0: Yeah. Let me just see if I can. There we go. Yeah. Did you want so to right. go through the um the PowerPoint?
1: Ah uh, yes. So once I rebranded into the styled by Elizabeth uh, brand, um, I then created a few services within that that would accommodate a you know a segmented market. So. so- People that were in small business um, would then be. I would be able to help them with uh, personal branding, so they would identify with the brand of the business. Uh, often in small business, people go to a lot of effort to, you know, make sure they have the right business cards, the right website, um, and all the very important details that you need to consider as far as branding goes in a a business because you want your customer to identify with the brand. Um, Branding's a very emotionally based um, aspect of the business. Um, But a lot of the business owners would forget about themselves and forget to brand themselves alongside of the business. So that was something that I was able to help them with. And then also uh, personal styling. So people for their personal needs, If they have an occasion they need to prepare for, whether it be mother of the bride or the bride or um, they have an event they need to prepare for, um, I affiliate with other um, independent contractors, so hairstylists, makeup artists and whatnot, and then we can put together a wonderful package um, and alleviate all that stress that can be really Um, daunting for a lot of people getting ready for an important occasion
0: yeah and men as well
1: yes very much so um i love
0: that picture um,
1: oh thank you the
0: one down the bottom with all the the suits what what brand is that do you know so
1: it's not brand specific it's just depicting a personal shopping experience okay so for people who um, are a little bit overwhelmed or aren't sure what styles suit them, what cuts of garments suit their silhouette, um, what will flatter their silhouette most, um, I offer personal shopping experiences.
0: What do you mean by Uh, silhouette?
1: So their proportions, their their silhouette, their their pant size, their top size, um, how their proportions, um, what their proportions are will be will need to be determined in order to find the right kind of garment for them. Okay. Yeah. So some people have narrow shoulders, some people have broader shoulders. Sure. Uh, women, women especially will, might be broader in the hip area or narrow in the hip area in comparison to their shoulders. Um, that's what I refer to in this silhouette. Uh, so this was some of the personal branding um, clients I had. Uh, so there was a lady that was launching a skincare, a natural skincare range. Sure. Um, and she wanted to sort of um, align with her brand a little bit better. And same with the gentleman on the right. Yeah. Had an eye. He IT looks design.
0: great. I mean, they both look great. But uh, The one thing that I noticed with him is uh, when he's dressed all in black there, um, you don't notice the fact that he's got piercing blue eyes. Which you can see um, quite clearly in the the second picture. Yeah. I, I think. Um, yeah.
1: So he had a um, he had the the full makeover experience. So we took him to a barber. It was the first time he ever had his hair cut professionally. It was either his. You know, I, you're or not about
0: to say he's wearing contacts, are you?
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. He did have beautiful eyes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It does it does stand out. But it was just lovely for him for him to have that experience and then relate back to me what you know the whole shave, the whole towel, hot towel experience. Uh, it was um, it was really special for him. So I I get yeah. a lot of satisfaction from doing what I do.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes that um, when you work in fashion, you take it for granted that everyone. Uh, is able to do a lot of these things for themselves, and that they experience, like you said, the the full the full treatment um, all the time. So it's um you forget that people don't uh, have these experiences every day, and how important it is, or how important it can be.
1: Yeah, good point. That's
0: true. You're looking fabulous there.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank
0: you. I just realised there may be people that are um, only listening to this. Um, So I I will definitely keep that in. This is all part of the learning. I will keep that in mind um, as we move forward to just describe um, uh, what it is that we're actually looking at. Good point. Yeah, um, because I myself, I love to listen through um, Spotify Um, and I never really ever actually watch Um, but it depends on the channel because if it's obviously YouTube or Rumble um, then I actually do engage visually but yeah most of the time I just listen yeah
1: we'll we'll be a little bit more descriptive if if
0: (laughs) as best we can now was there anything else that you wanted to add to this one
1: Um, So this is, uh, so I just make patterns um, and design clothes which can offer clients um, uh, another aspect to their styling needs. So extended sizing, for example, the market is very frustrating for extended sizing. Men have a little bit more option that way. Uh, but for women, there's not that much on the market. Once upon a time, we had Maggie Taber. She was quite amazing with her designs and catered to a, a specific demographic and was able to offer very elegant, stylish uh, clothes that sort of went across different platforms or were able to service people across different platforms. Uh, so this is just an added thing that I can create that I'll have a collection that I can then cater to specifically to clients and these are some of the garments that I've made.
0: Right. And extended sizing is what we used to refer to as plus sizing. Is yes. that the, the new term?
1: Yes, I think it's it's a little bit um, less, I don't know, it's it's a nicer, nicer, nicer terminology in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well I agree, but we need to I just wanted to clarify um, for yeah because I've never heard that before. Oh okay, yeah, um, but not that any of these ladies that we're looking at here need extended sizing at all. No, no. <laughs> um,
1: so normally I would put there there was a photo i I just used these, but I did have there were like three age demographics that I had in one of the photos that I had, and I probably should have put that one. Um, so it, one of the models was um, you know. Uh, extended size in a you know in a in a i'm trying to think she was 70 years old um one of the other ladies i modeled was 80 years old so um it does it can relate to different age groups for sure
0: Mm. okay well oh and what have i got here for you this is the the promo booklet um Oh, so this
1: is like professional styling services. So there are okay. corporations, companies that might want to bring, their again, their branding into line with their staff. Um, and we just talk about sort of branding aspects and how a uniform might better translate or whether they're trying to represent a business in a certain way. Um, then this is, this is a book for professional styling as far as corporate goes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to to touch on um, in in the booklet or in anything else that you've sent through? Uh,
1: no, not not from this, not from these um, examples, um, not specifically. No, thank you. That's What's fine. What's a professional
0: wardrobe it? analysis?
1: Um, so someone who wants to enter the corporate world and doesn't know how to put a wardrobe together or what they have in their wardrobe. So I would then come into their homes and we would look at all all the clothes they have there and we would then go through what items would be suitable to the platform they needed to. We would then also address other platforms, of course, that they would need and then I organise the wardrobe according to their needs and uh, the lifestyle they, they have. So if they have... Um, they what, have. So exercise. what do you mean
0: by platforms? You said. So platform platforms work.
1: would be okay. So let's take a, a corporate individual who might be um, in high management, top tier management. So that would be one platform that they would need to present for uh, in that role. Then they, you know, say their husband, that person's husband is. Um, um, I don't know. Say they're they're a doctor, for example, and they have to go to, uh, certain meetings or balls or presentations or work-related events. That's another platform they have to present for.
0: Okay. So, um, kind of um, just kind of think about another word that's um. So it's roles, like different roles of what yeah. people have.
1: Yeah, lifestyle, what their lifestyle demands of them, you know, they'll have yeah. to dress for. If they have kids at school, they'll have to dress for um, certain things or events that they have to go to for that, Um you know, just whatever their lifestyle demands are. So I refer to them as platforms because they're quite separate. Well, they could be very separate to each other, yet their wardrobe has to take them across all of that.
0: Okay, um, very good. And professional shopping experience.
1: Yes, yeah, so pretty much. Eighty so percent of personal... people
0: don't like shopping.
1: Yes. Eighty so percent of men,
0: or eighty percent of all people.
1: It said all people in the stats. Okay. Yes. So it might be higher might be higher in the numbers relating to men. I know men do not like shopping. Um, why do you think that is? Um they're not it's something they're not invested to them and they're not um it's not that important to them. So they don't enjoy doing it. They know they have to do it because they have demands that require them to do it they have to go somewhere or they have to present at work a certain way so they have to do it but it's not i think it's just something they don't enjoy doing
0: yeah okay i'm surprised that women don't enjoy go shopping
1: no a lot of women don't enjoy shopping okay yeah And
0: do you think that that's because of the experiences that they've had in their interactions with shopping in the past or um, is it overwhelming? Um...
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think very much so. A lot of it comes down to them being overwhelmed. Okay. Um, they don't know what they're shopping for because they don't know what suits them. So it's it's daunting for them to understand and, and, and you know, when you walk into a shop, for many of us it's, it's a very um, familiar sort of environment because mm. we we understand how to, some of us understand or are able to process that information. But for a lot of people, there's a lot of different cuts of garments. There's, it's very spread out. Some stores, for example, will have a lot of stock and to visually see that um, it's overwhelming for a lot of people. So that's where I get to help people. It's it's really rewarding to just let them to teach them why something doesn't suit them, why it suits them, what to look out for according to what their needs are and what their lifestyle needs are, um, so that they can walk into a store and just scan it and and know they don't have to look through every specific item in order to to get walk away with something that makes them happy.
0: And how do you think that the the online uh, world has affected? the shopping experience for individuals?
1: Um, that is an interesting question because I think through COVID um, that became a very popular way for people mm. to to shop. Mm. And I think it really changed a lot of people's opinion about online shopping. I think in the past people did not like online shopping because uh, each store um, has a different sizing um you you would know this every brand you go to will have different sizing a a size 10 in one store won't be the same as a size 10 in another store yes Um, so this this can be quite stressful for people not not knowing whether or not the actual the sizing is is actual to its sizing and whether it's going to fit them so the the um it's sort of just even in
0: regards to shoes for example Um, So the sizing will commonly be listed in UK sizing, uh, American sizing, um, European sizing, and they'll often also now list uh, Brazilian and Japanese. So that that just within itself, when you look in, um, I'm not sure actually if we'll go back to your website, what you list, but I believe one of the only, I was going to say the only kind of um, universal size is European sizing. Yeah. so um, as as long as people I say to people as long as you know your European sizing um, then you're good you're good to go because then um, to me that's the only one that is actually universal across a number of brands
1: that's correct Um, the thing
0: that can change um, in regards specifically to shoes I think um, and men's shoes anyway is is width I'm not sure um, if that is the same um, with ladies shoes but um,
1: Yes, it can be. Um, and then obviously medical aspects come into play as well. Certain women just can't wear certain shoes because of, of medical conditions and whatnot, but um, that's when the sort of orthopaedic aspects can't come into it. But, um, yes, you're right. So siding. So, so, coming back to your question with regards to the online shopping, I think that has changed a lot over the last couple of years and I think COVID had a lot to do with it. But People still now that things are sort of coming back to a new kind of normal, I think people are enjoying getting back into stores and trying things on and just having that experience. For some people that is enjoyable. Um, yeah. and, and hopefully once um, the people that have come to see me they'll say that now they actually enjoy they had a really you know we'll make it fun we'll have fun when we go out and do it and once they understand the principles and what they're looking for and what will flatter them then the shopping is no longer unpleasant for them
0: and I think that um, that's one thing that the online world is able to do is to kind of funnel down very quickly um, via search engine what the person is looking for, and that's something that I think that particularly when you walk into a, like a large department store, it's just the overwhelming nature of options. Yes. Um, and it it takes a lot more effort to walk the floor, scroll through um, the uh, the rails, um, than what it does to actually just scroll online to see. So I think that the online is probably a very good way to maybe get inspired and to connect with someone like yourself. But then when it actually comes to going in-store, it's still quite an overwhelming experience
1: perhaps. Yes, yes. I try and um, give both options to the customer. So say I had a personal shopping experience with somebody but we weren't actually able to find an item that would complement their existing wardrobe, or that would suit their platforms. Um, I will offer them online options, and then explain to them that once they've purchased with a with a company that provides good quality at a reasonable price, or whatever their needs are, um, then that sizing is then pretty safe within that within that company.
0: Within that brand.
1: Within that brand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah okay um well what well that's a great picture oh thank you do you know i was thinking today and sorry this is a bit off topic but you look like that lady that's been on the bold and the beautiful for the last 40 years Um,
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't watch bold and the beautiful i don't watch it
0: either (laughs) but it was on at the gym um and I can't like literally I don't know how they've done this, but this woman is literally frozen in time. Most um, of
1: them have been on there for forty years, haven't they?
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I, I feel like I need to Google who it is, but I'm sure that people that watch the program that see your picture they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who he's talking about. <laughs> I want to say her name's Brooke. I think she's married every single guy on the show. Um, oh
1: yes, I think they've all swapped and changed. yeah, a little I think bit so. <laughs> <and> shared. <laughs>
0: You know, fun fact, that um, when they shut down for COVID, um, The Bold and the Beautiful was the first show, I think, on the planet that started um, recording again because they were worried oh. about people, like, not being able to keep up with storylines. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: Yeah. That's that's insane to me. Um,
1: yeah. I don't even know. I don't know what to say to that because... Um, <laughs> yeah i would hope that people would maybe turn to books that but, but no bold and the beautiful is where they decided to go
0: that's where they escape oh um
1: oh, they're I, cute. <laughs> there's no animals I, no animals have been hurt in okay. any aspect of my business
0: <laughs> so um for those people just listening um um there is a picture of two tiny goats
1: oh, <laughs> that so are the cute. size
0: of a man's hand um that i've left up because um I don't know if this happens to you, Elizabeth, but I actually fell down a, uh, a rabbit hole uh, on the internet last night. About 1 o'clock in the morning I found Nigerian dwarf goats and that that's what they are. That's actually a real picture. Oh,
1: my gosh. I would
0: say that they're only a couple of days old. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, they
1: are adorable.
0: Yeah, I think I've got another picture. I saved a couple of pictures for you. Oh, that's where you were. There we go. Look at that. Oh
1: my gosh. Oh, I'm not sure like how it is sweet. legal
0: that anything could be that cute. Um, but
1: that's like that's like the um, so they're, they're goats or they're
0: they're goats. They
1: are goats. You can okay. actually milk them. Wow, I wow. Know,
0: like... <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard I've like my whole life, I've gone my whole life without knowing about the existence of these cute goats. That's
1: like teacup pigs. They're they're teeny tiny.
0: They are exactly like that. Nigeria could rule the world with these things. Wow. That's, um, that's some competition for me. That's some competition for cats and dogs. Yes. And, of course, I then yes. looked into YouTube because I had to watch footage of it. And um. the people that keep them as pets put them in adult nappies.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. have
0: these goats running around their house with nappies on um, mm. and literally they still behave like a goat they butt things with their head yes oh and, they're and funny
1: they're so funny and they're jumping yes they are so yeah a, a friend of mine moved up to the northern territory and then she she there was a abandoned goat and she called her millie and she used to post these videos of of millie and it was just so entertaining you're right it was like cat videos but but maybe even better yeah. oh no i don't know that's going too far actually cat what's better than cat video
0: I know I get I get in that loop a little bit too often. Um, now the one thing I wanted to ask you about because I know what, was there anything else that you wanted to add in regards to um, the business? No, I want to make no, sure that you hit.
1: Oh, thank you. No, that was that was just the no, that was the startup and then how we we sort of, you know, the ball rolled and things transformed and, and yeah. changed into something else, something more.
0: I think that there's something beautiful about um, the artisan way of like going back to, to basics and making something from something real, something that's tangible um, because so much of what is produced now is not actually real. It's, it's about service. It's about programming. It's about algorithms. It's about serving um, not many people. I, don't, I think that the world has lost a focus on actually making product and particularly high quality product that is innovative. And as yes. you said, when you were s- searching for manufacturers, there were a lot out there. I think you said over 100, 170.
1: Well, that was just in, in the place that we were looking to manufacture. Um, yeah. there, there were, I mean, there was more than that, but that's who we narrowed it down. We narrowed it down to 175. That's extraordinary. The, the tool was much bigger than that. Um, and so much
0: of that focus is on volume without yes. a second thought when it comes to quality. Yes. Um, and the, the main problem with I think a lot of fashion now is the fast fashion um, that's happening. So people no longer deliberately no longer make things that are going to last. They're actually well, designed to fall apart.
1: Yes. Yes, and people don't purchase things to last. Unlike, like, you, I'm very much the same way as you, where I, I will invest in a pair of shoes um, because they will last me twenty years plus. And like you, I will resell them regularly and and mend them and repair them rather than just throw them away and, and buy a new pair. Um, and unfortunately, that's what's adding to the landfill, uh, the the waste in fashion. I was just actually before coming on. I was reading an article from the Australian Fashion Council, and they were talking about in 2030 how they want to have a well um, implemented uh, circular fashion model where where the waste and the landfill is is it's not contributing to that mm. um, that kind I of. I just waste wonder benefit. when
0: the expectation of the consumer shifted because. I know when I was younger, um, there was the expectation that if you buy something like even like a big product, like a fridge, um, that you wouldn't think when you purchase that product that, oh, this will probably only last me for three, maximum five years, and then I'm going to have to replace it. Yeah. You would literally buy things. My older brother, actually, one of my older brothers has um, the fridge that I grew up with.
1: Wow,
0: it's a Westinghouse. Um, oh my God! And so that fridge would be going on over thirty years.
1: Yeah.
0: See. And that's that. That, that blows is. people's mind now because they've, we've become so accustomed to just having to replace. I don't know if it's all. I mean, obviously trends and influences and the speed of what you were saying there, those fashion cycles, has definitely sped up. You know, I've been in the fashion industry like you for a very long time, and there used to be four very very distinct seasons. Yes. Um, and you know, you would have the summer drop, then you'd have autumn, winter, and then spring. Everyone loves spring. Um, and then th- that would that would pretty much be it. And when we talk about that sort of fashion, it was heavily directed towards the female consumer because um, it was mostly in regards to tops and dresses and um, skirts and shoes and things like that. But now that that dynamic has, has sped up to the point where even fashion designers are having to do new ranges every eight weeks, which is extraordinary, puts a lot of pressure yeah. on them. But the, the idea of creating um, fashion and having to recreate whole new lines um, has spread to things like suitcases This is something that blows my mind. So, for example, I see that, and this is not to, uh, uh, you know, demonise any any particular brand because it's done across all brands, but suitcases are now done in ranges and there's multiple ranges per year. Um, It's just So you've got this combination of mass-producing, fast fashion, and have you noticed that each of the ranges Mm. in the past, um, they used to be able to utilise spring from last year into spring this year um, or you could pull out something from summer and get that to work you know with spring three years ago but now they're deliberately making it so that your spring this year or spring 2022 the colors and the fabrication and the patterns are so unique that it will literally only work for those six to eight weeks Yes. and then after that They will split, they will push so hard to completely split from that. Nothing will be complimentary. Everything will be entirely new that you have to get everything, including your suitcase.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To to match. Yes. You need the whole, you need the whole, everything.
0: And then you've got people online pushing this. And then you've got these manufacturers like you're speaking about, which are perfectly happy to just continually pump this stuff out.
1: Yes. In fact, fact, motivate you or or consumers or companies to do that because the the more the higher volume you purchase the the cheaper your manufacturing cost will be right so they want to higher, you know brands will purchase higher volumes or manufacture want higher volumes manufactured so they get each unit at a at a lower uh, cost unit and then sure. be able to sell it and have a higher profit of that so, it is interesting, you're right, because televisions once upon a time would last twenty years, wouldn't they, or or longer? you just replace the bulb at the back. yeah, but um and same with fridges or washing machines now, it just doesn't there's no longevity anymore. they they want it to break down because they want you to purchase the next one.
0: Yeah, but I think that um um potentially, I think some of the techno the big technology companies are the ones that are actually responsible. For for this new mindset of constant replacement, and um, so when you you look at the, the like the the crazy fever that gets worked up um, every twelve to eighteen months when Apple releases a new range, um, and everyone literally just gets the old phone, which is perfectly fine. Chuck it, whole new phone, but also iPads, laptop, and yeah. also the fact that when you do software upgrades you know that there's only so many upgrades before your phone is just going to be redundant. And yes. that time period has gotten shorter and shorter. Now, yes. I think that, uh, to be fair, I think that the European Union um, gave Apple a good smack for that. And I oh. think that they have extended the time period um, that because there's absolutely nothing wrong with the phone. The software upgrades are deliberately done so as to make the slow the phone work slower, battery to go quicker, um, yeah so again th- this is perfectly acceptable expectation that um, that's fine just let them do that because I'm going to keep replacing it every year anyway um, and it
1: would be interesting I think that would be a probably a show on its own a podcast on its own as to what actually yeah. happens mm. to the phones like uh, how are they broken down how is that recycled it, uh, are there any aspects of it that get put to use in any other way mm. um I I don't know. Do you know? Do you know what happens to them? I I know
0: a little bit about phone recycling. Um, They do encourage it as much as possible. So obviously um, because there are very expensive precious metals that go into every single um, smartphone and they're they're actually, some of those metals are quite rare. Um, And so there's already some of the supplies for, for those metals are getting very low. Um, and the way to that, that's a that's a deep rabbit hole because there are issues with how those met precious metals are mined uh, in particularly in some of the countries in Africa um, for example, I mean it is just that it's completely unregulated. it's slave labor, it's child labor um, yeah, it's it's a little bit um, out of control there but um, no that's one really not, kind yeah, of sees right. that. No. Uh, the other issue, of course, that they have is that the there's almost a monopoly on semiconductors in Taiwan, which, given the current relationship between Taiwan and China, uh, America is trying to rapidly move that manufacturing back to America um, as a um, a security initiative.
1: And, I see.
0: Um, mm, but I don't. Yeah, sorry, um, I've gotten a bit away from No, that's
1: interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting. Well, it's all part of manufacturing and production. Yeah, Consumer I think that 11, was it because 11. I just
0: love the idea of you creating a line that is um, not just unique in terms of like the engineered heel but also something that is going to, to last and something that is an investment. Um, and the styling, I don't know why I've got this map up now, but if we get back to... Um, <laughs> your the styling is very classic as well um which i I quite like
1: yes so it's not a far oh i've
0: got anastasia palachuk there um because (laughs) and in case people were wondering there's also a a european map up Um, now you're polish yes you did primary school in poland yes you speak polish yes yes can you please pronounce Anastasia's surname in the traditional Polish way?
1: Palaszczuk.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Yes. Now,
0: why, why do you think that they changed that to Palaszczuk?
1: Um Is it
0: because it's just too complicated for us or?
1: I don't know. I, I would say that there would be. Um...
0: You're a branding expert.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um this this is a question that that's puzzled me as well um i i don't know what the psychology behind that approach is um whether the chalache uh still i i really i don't know i really don't know but there's there's that's very much uh, a different pronunciation to the actual spelling of the name and and the correct mm. pronunciation mm. In, in its origin so um, I, I really don't can't imagine why they they might have just you know, there's there's certain ass, well people in politics are are very easy to target. Mm. Um and it and it's it's you know fun for some people to target them because they're they're in politics and that they're uh, exposed to a lot of media and whatnot and criticism. So maybe the the chook at the end might have been something that they wanted to avoid um in the way Is that, are
0: you referring to the fact that I have her my own nickname for her.
1: <laughs> Is that you? do you? I wasn't aware. I haven't told
0: well when you told me a few years back, because we've known each other for a while. Um yeah, I re I rebranded Anastasia Mother Chook.
1: Oh um, <laughs> my god, I was not. Oh my gosh. Well that's that's pretty much I would love how you it if mother
0: chook started to trend. <laughs> that would be um, amazing. Yes. I, I mean I did come up with that because she was a bit of a mother hen during covid. Um so that was my personal little she was very maternal towards us. I I, I often felt like she was almost at the point of saying well we did have a curfew. If you're not tucked up in bed by 10:30 at night then you're going to get into trouble. You know, if you go surfing when I say you're not allowed to go surfing, you're gonna get into trouble. So that's where the the mother mother yes. chook came yes. from.
1: Yeah, um, so that might be the very thing they were trying to avoid. Uh, trying to avoid, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do think
0: Palaszczuk, though, does sound slightly French, which is it does, everyone's it? always trying to kind of get that luxury kind of French rubbing off. on... Well... Them. Yeah,
1: you know, it's the, the French pronunciation and the French language is very different to the Polish. I, I can certainly understand why she might have gone down the other road, but. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's more, much more to do with her branding people and um, not wanting to be exposed to that.
0: Yeah, um, and I I've got the map up because so right now there's the the European map. Yes. Uh, because I have to say I'm one of those people that obviously I knew that Poland was in Europe, but it's so strange because growing up in the eighties and even in the early 90s, the centre of Europe for us when it was the former USSR was Switzerland, which is here, (laughs) which is actually almost like to the extreme west of Europe. It's actually nowhere near the centre. But Poland is actually the centre of, or Slovakia, Poland. Yes. It's the centre of what we now call Europe.
1: Yes. Yes, yeah. very much so. But but um yeah, there were different perceptions, I think, of that part of the world through different periods of time. Um so it's a lot of people would say there's a there's a really interesting and a really funny, I'll I'll have to share it with you one time. Um uh a comedian focuses on on Polish attributes and um, you know, food and culture and and where where the country is actually placed. And they're saying, you know, it's not Eastern Europe. It's actually in the centre of Europe. So yeah. um, we're well, not far, far from it. But I think it was just a different perception uh, of that part of Europe during that time. And hasn't it evolved? And it's still evolving. There's always something going on with with aspects of that part of the world. Yes. Um,
0: well, recent I mean...
1: times and <laughs> history. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Poland. Poland didn't exist at one stage. Russia no, took I a mean, big I, chunk, that's and Germany took a big chunk, and, and yes, Poland was gone.
0: Yeah, um, but it's actually quite a large country, and it is certainly a gate. What I would call a gateway country. So it's it's almost as if um, all roads pass through Poland. I used to think that about Germany, but it's certainly um, true of Poland as well.
1: Yeah, people often, you know, you think of Switzerland and Italy and mm. and France as sort of the European, the centre of Europe. But yeah, I think with time that that's shifted. Yeah. People do you remember. class
0: cabbage as a salad in Poland?
1: <laughs> do I class it as a salad? <laughs> um, yes, I guess there are, there. Are, you do. Oh, well, coleslaw, coleslaw would be a salad, wouldn't it?
0: oh yeah but I don't think yeah no I only asked because I was at in Germany at you know high highly cultured event um the the Munich Beer Festival (laughs) and (laughs) I asked for a salad and they gave me a bowl of raw chopped up cabbage and I wasn't sure if that was them having a piss take at me because I'm at the beer festival and I asked for salad or if that's actually what constitutes No, they probably salad. would
1: have that yes, that probably would have been like a slaw. So right. that would have that would have passed as a salad.
0: No dressing.
1: Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't go back there, Victor. Oh I would not
0: Lots of different reasons mostly Um, because the the beer festival in munich is largely made up of drunk australians um so yeah no interest in in going back there yeah
1: but it's interesting it's an experience you you have
0: to have but
1: when um when you go to different places i remember being in italy and asking for an iced coffee and i got a um a small liqueur glass with a very strong shot of coffee with an ice cube in it. So essentially I got an iced coffee, but yeah. you know, I was expecting like cream and a bit of caramel ribbon through it. And- uh-uh.
0: that, that's, <laughs> a, that's an American bastardization of coffee that, that does not exist in, in Europe um, yeah. at all. Uh, well, maybe oh, I shouldn't say that. I think if you went into a Starbucks, um, yes. you would be able to, to order something like that. Yes.
1: And the Europeans yeah.
0: would look at you very strange. Like, what yes. is that lady? Yeah. But on the flip side, when you go to America, they don't quite understand the European style of coffee.
1: No, you're probably right there. Yes.
0: Yeah. I told you where I went to, or maybe I didn't tell you when I went to Arizona for a conference for the university and I'd been there for four or five days and I'm a double shot espresso, a doppio, and they kept giving me like that coffee that I don't know what you call it. It sits on a, a hot plate, and they pour it out of a jug. Is it percolated?
1: Oh, percolated, or, um, yes.
0: Maybe yeah. I think there's like a filter in there.
1: Yeah, no, oh. percolated is a bit different as well because the percolated works off the off the steam. I think of the heat that. Yeah.
0: That. I, well, so whatever that, that is, that that's filtered. what it tasted like, and it would come in this giant cup. Um, so, one afternoon, I went to Starbucks, and there was literally no one there. And the the people that worked there are so friendly. I said to them, "Would you mind if I came behind the counter and made my own coffee?" This is pre COVID, <laughs> clearly, because he's not allowed to touch anything now. Yeah. Um, and they were very good. They let me. They brought me behind the counter, and I I made myself a double espresso shot. They had never, honestly, they're baristas. They had never seen it before. There
1: they, you go. They didn't see?
0: know. And then I said to them, would you like to see what a piccolo is? And then I made them a piccolo. And, and uh, what is a Piccolo. A piccolo is just well. Piccolo in Italian just means small. Small. So uh, is that
1: like a short black? In Sydney, we would call that a short black. Uh, no, black? a short
0: black is um, an espresso shot.
1: Oh, that's an espresso. It's shot.
0: called lots, lots of different. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. a piccolo is just has a, a piccolo of latte, a little bit of milk.
1: Right.
0: Um. So some people say that um having a shot of coffee or a double shot of coffee is really, really hard on your kidneys. So, in order to soften it um, and to help your body kind of process it, um, you just put like a little drop of milk. Well, actually, a drop of milk is macchiato, a little bit longer is piccolo, but you still get it in the espresso glass. It's just the shot takes up a quarter or a half and then the rest is milk. By the way, I'm not a barista, so I could be getting weights and percentages wrong. Um, But yeah. But yeah, I I, I mean, um, I'm lactose intolerant, so the milk wouldn't be so good for me. But
1: no, and it tastes so good just on its own, doesn't it? When you've got a beautiful coffee, um, it tastes so good on its own without the milk. So
0: I'm glad you get that.
1: Mm, Yeah, because
0: that's when you find out if you actually got good coffee.
1: Yeah, you get the aroma. You get the flavor. No sugars. No
0: caramels. No cream. No. No, no, Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And so your kidneys suffer a little bit, but you know.
0: I have lots of water.
1: <laughs> there I you drink go.
0: lots of water. You flush it, it out. A double shot, two double shots a day is the only way to get me through the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I used to be able to drink coffee. Unfortunately, I can't. The body doesn't tolerate it anymore. But I do remember the days. Uh, they and I've had a great appreciation for it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm just aware of the time. Um, and you've got to have dinner. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for coming on and being my first guest. I was, um, to be honest with you, I felt a little bit overwhelmed at the start. Um, but no, I've just really enjoyed the, the second half of our chat. The first half was fine too. It's just, oh, I was sitting here sweating. Um, but, um, thank you for taking the time and being patient and my first guest. I really oh, appreciate thank it. And you. it's been great. I've known you for so long and I didn't even know that you had a brand, a shoe label. Oh,
1: there you go. You've probably told
0: me and I've probably just been so focused on what I'm saying and myself that it just hasn't gone in.
1: Well, you know now. And thank you for this opportunity to to be on your podcast. I'm so excited for you and super excited um, to all the future podcasts that I can listen to because you've got an interesting group of people coming up. Yes,
0: and yourself as well, of course.